It's going to be a riveting hour. Riveting. We have a lot planned, and we had a holdover from the top two with our friend Kate, who had a question for us. Hi, Kate. You're on the Weekly Dish. What can we help you with? Hey, um, we uh, months ago, I think you had mentioned a salsa called Joe Mama's. Yes. Where can you get that at? Oh, it's so good. Um, I know. Me... That's why I'm asking. <laughs> Uh, okay. It is a company that is based out of Woodbury and they started making it, um, for like a soccer club or no, it was a hockey club and fundraising. Uh, let's see. They have it where they will ship it to your house. Oh. Um, but I'm going to try to find some retailers for you. I want to save on Hanson's, but I will. They have it at Hy-Vee Festival, oh. Jubilee, Jerry's. Um, Von Hansen's, I was correct about that, but it's, they just have the one in Minneapolis and St. Paul listed. Where do you live? Um, r- Minneapolis. Okay. So I would say Von Hansen's at 65th and Lindale in Minneapolis is listed oh. here. Um, what's your favorite? They have like a Mama's Original, a Pineapple, a Smoking Hot. Well, I haven't ever had it, but I, I heard about it on your show. Yeah. So. Try the Pineapple Mango. It's really delicious. Oh. All okay. right. So thanks, Kate. I appreciate you holding on so we could yeah. turn you on to Joe Mama Sauce. Um, <laughs> we're going to turn you on to a couple of other things here. This is the section of the show where we tell you two things that we are obsessed with in the top two. Give him the old one, two. One, two, one, two. And now the Weekly Dish presents one, two, one, two. Top Two, Top Two. The Top Two. Pick your best two. In our two. All right, give me two. Winning, winning, winning. All right. It is the top two in hour two. We're each going to give you two things, and then I'm going to ask you a question, and I know someone will know this because oh. we were talking about it last night. I was like, I know someone in our listening audience will know. Okay. Um, okay. Something I'm obsessed with that I'd never had before that came my way through my niece who came to the cabin for 4th of July. She brought two boxes of Trader Joe croissants. Okay. There was an almond croissant and a chocolate croissant. And what you do is you buy them frozen and you take them and put them on a sheet pan and let them come to room temperature overnight. So it's like an eight hour and they kind of rise and proof. Yep. And then you just bake them in the oven and they taste like a delicious French almond or chocolate croissant. Okay. It was kind of shocking. I was like, gross. We're eating Trader Joe's croissants. They're not even going to be good. Like they're going to. And she was like, oh. You don't. You just you do not know. know. She was like, like "You are a snob, and you do not know." I feel like Elizabeth Reese has given this rave before oh, when you weren't off the show. These I feel were, like that's a thing. Like honestly, I don't want to say as good as going to a French bakery because that would be a little strong, but they were real good and certainly better than grocery store croissants. Okay, they were really good. Okay, that's good. Yeah, I, like I would that. totally buy them if I was like hosting a brunch or something, and I'd pretend I made them. Oh, I like that. 
Um, okay, so my first one is going to be Restaurant Week. Because it's Restaurant Week next week. It is. And I want to set you guys up. I'm going to name a couple places you might want to think about. All Saints is in Restaurant Week. I just love that place. I'm telling you, they've got the uh, they've got some halloumi, which is, you know, that beautifully like cheese that's you can grill Grilled and everything cheese. else. They've got Pappardelle. They've got a pork chop on the O menu. That's Estelle, or that's All Saints. I was going to say Estelle is also in Restaurant Week. Very underrated. Oh, if you haven't been, you should go. I don't think it's go. underrated. I think everybody I know loves it. And everybody in the neighborhoods around yeah. there love it. But it, it's worth the driving for these little yeah. plates. They're They've delicious. got some uh, Mafaldina with eggplant parmesan. They've got a braised pork. They've got some um, bacalao fritters, some salt cod fritters. Gotta love that. Um, and, uh, what was the other one? I just want to make sure that I get all the people that I loved. Um, uh, well, there's lots of places like Lake and Irving. There's Layla. The Lexington is on there. I love Lake and Irving and the Lex just I know. had a facelift. How about Pauhana? Have you been down to Savage to try that place yet? No. Well, that's, that's on restaurant week. So it's if that's super good. good. It's the other place that the Lake and Irving folks own. Yes. I love that. Well, and Terzo's on there. Let me just shout out to Terzo because I must be in a pasta mood because I'm like Tortelli and the Bucatini and Matrachana. Gosh, I love that. So anyway, restaurant week next week, all week. Go check them out. There's lots of great deals for you guys. Remember two and three course menus. Um, such a deal. Okay. So here is something that if you have someone in your family with food allergies, is an interesting local company. Okay. It's called the Safer Plate. Oh. And what they do is they have allergy-free and allergen-identified meals. Yeah. They can either be bought like frozen meals, like a lean cuisine would be, as it were, which I hate to compare the two, but that gives you kind of a general idea where it's all plated and ready for you to pop in the microwave. Yep. Or you can also buy... um a kit so you can know like, okay, I'm going to do this meal kit and it's going to be something I can prep and cook and it's going to be delicious for my family. And it's got none of the allergens that my family is allergic to. So each week they change the menu. So whether you're buying the frozen or you're doing boxed mm-hmm. and you basically identify all of your allergens and you can then get food that's for your family that is made in Minnesota that is allergen free. And if you have a kid that like has a peanut allergy or maybe an allergy to eggs or I know Elizabeth Reese speaking of her her kids suffered with allergies. It's just a really fresh nice alternative to have because you know you kids are going to school lunches and maybe you want to have something that's just super easy for them to pop in the microwave or maybe your husband's going to work and he needs something. It's just, I liked her concept. I think it's um, it's really fresh food. It's called the Safer Plate. Okay. Um, okay, so I'm going to give you a, you guys are going to, I'm giving you a bottle of bubbles. Oh, Pay attention. we like bubbles. Pay attention. Uh, there's a champagne uh, that's called 1818 Brut. And it is by, so one of the big, really expensive, quality, awesome, French champagne makers is Biacart Salmon. You looks like Billacart Salmon, and um, if you find that one, they're usually in the uh, they're usually in the you know seventy dollar price point range. The Billacarts are. This one is by them, but it's an off. It's like one of their offshoots, and it's eighteen eighteen brut, and it says champagne on it. And I got to tell you, it is delightful, and it's thirty five dollars a bottle. And it is where at. 
So here's the deal. I had it at um, Kaluna last night. Yep. And I had it this last week because Amy Waller, who is one of my favorite psalms in town, um, she's a wine guru, the Amy Waller of wine. She is... Um, she is at Kaluna right now, and she brought that bottle out to pair out with some really great spicy food on Kaluna's menu, and it was perfect. But we started the night last night, a bunch of girls and I were out there for dinner, and we started the night with it, and it is just one of those great summer patio sippers that I want to really pimp out. But you can get it, at, they have it at France 44 as well. Okay. So, and I would just look for it, but it's just, you just need to remember 1818 Champagne. Love it. And it's, uh, you may, it may be called like inspiration. You may find it called inspiration 1818, but 1818 brute champagne. You're going to find it. And it hovers in that $30, $35 area. And it's, God, it's delicious. It's okay. just that little bit of little, like the little tangy sweet on the end, but it's just refreshing and a great small bubble. Yum. I love it. Okay. I'm excited about that. Yeah. Now here's the question to you, weekly dishers. Okay. Uh, there is a cheese and it is a farmer's cheese. It's white and it has basil in it real basil leaves and it's made in wisconsin they call it farmer's basil cheese okay and my stepmom comes from wisconsin and she brings it to us and everyone in my family loves this cheese my sister loves it but it's you can't find it in the in twin cities so i want to know if you know you can dm me yeah this particular that i just looked up online it is by the brand decatur dairy oh but it's chicago right uh, it's made in Wisconsin. Okay. So it's literally like a white farmer's cheese that has real basil leaves in it. And if anybody knows locally where you can find this cheese, I would be welcome to know. You can tweet me. You can find me on Instagram. Find me on Facebook. Find us on Weekly Dish. Have you, did you, have you, where have you looked? Uh, my sister says she looks every time she goes grocery shopping. So that would mean she looks at Aldi, Hy-Vee, Cub. She shops Lunds and Byerly's too. I mean, I wonder if the cheese shops would have it. I don't know. You know, if like you yeah. could go to France 44, so, I would check. I maybe need France to go to France 44 yeah. just to get this champagne and see if they carry this white farmer's cheese with basil in it. It's just delicious cheese. It's very summery feeling because it's like a caprese, but it's in the cheese. Oh. So it's quite good. I'm looking up at their products and I don't see it, but I'm going to keep looking. Okay. So if anyone knows where you can get basil well, farmer's cheese, too. help, Ooh, help reach out to me. Um, okay. So, all right. When we come back. We're going to talk a little bit of cookbook talk and restaurant talk. Yeah. Uh, you're listening to The Weekly Dish, and we'll be right back. I was interested in some of the George, no, George, James Beard. George Beard. <laughs> Not George Beard. George Beard. Some of the James Beard award-winning cookbooks that were highlighted, and I'm just going to give you um, a couple uh, the Zuni Cafe cookbook was inducted into the 2022 Cookbook Hall of Fame. And that's a cookbook that I have that I go back to a lot. It's an older one, but they have the roast Zuni Cafe roast chicken in there that is roasted on top of the big croutons. Yeah. It's just such a delicious, delicious recipe. Um, some of the more James Beard award winning cookbooks this year that I thought were interesting um are it's a lot of um new newish type chefs everyone's table is by gregory gordet and he was one of the top chef contestants and i kind of liked his point of view on food and i also liked when he's come back and judged yeah i've thought like he seems like someone whose food i would be interested in eating yeah uh, there are is a cookbook called the Mosquito Supper Club Cajun Recipes from a Dis- 
Disappearing Bayou, which I thought was really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also a cookbook that's gotten a lot of uh, people talking about it. Take One Fish, the new school of scale to tail cooking. Oh, so this is like fish and how to use like all of the fish. Great. And so that one I thought was really interesting. Um, and then uh, Andrew Zimmern talked about a couple cookbooks that have inspired him. And La Method is by Jacques Pepin, and that's a favorite of his and also a favorite of a lot of people. Also mastering the art of French cooking. But one he had that I think you've talked about that I don't have that I think I'm going to add to my list was the food of Shijuan. Food, the food of Shuan. It has been updated. It's by Fuchsia Dunlap. What is the the word that you're Sichuan? Oh, Sichuan. Sichuan. Okay. Today I'm having a hard time. You said Shuan, and I'm like, I don't understand what Shuan is. Szechuan. Yeah. It was a book that came out in 2019, but it's one that he referred to a lot. And I thought, huh. Yeah. If you should. Yeah. If you want. Yeah. Szechuan. 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 Um, uh, you don't do one. one. You don't do <laughs> Anyway, she's. Uh, yeah. Fuchsia Dunlop is really a very interesting um, woman who is living in. You China. like her because you've mentioned her before. Yeah. yeah. She's. She's uh she's one of the best food writers I think of our time and she's kind of helps you know she's just fully immersed in everything and like her you know like showing us how to make mapo tofu and right. twice cured pork and all those things are so marvelous. So I might add that one to my yeah, collection. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, so that was a little bit of coverage just on the James Beard cookbooks that came out. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Stephanie, you have eaten at so many great places this week. I just want to get to where all the places are that you've eaten. I know. There's just been a lot. So good. Well, it's weird that there's so many things popping. You're a fun week. follow on Instagram because you get to all the places first. Well, I, it's not even for, and first is sort of like, I don't know, like, is it better to be first or is it just better to go? You know what I mean? Like in the end? Both. I think it's a lot of fun though, but we, um, there's a lot of things that are just sort of popping right now, which I think is kind of interesting. Um, one of the, uh, one of the things that w- I went to Makanda, which is now open in Wise, it's open tonight officially in Wyzetta. And is it more record bar and bar or full? No, food? it's a full restaurant. Okay, and it's um, it's definitely. Sorry, my phone is having a freak out. I was looking for a picture. Um, and so it's it's Danny Del Prado has opened up in what was the Wyzetta Brew Works, and which is next to Six Smith in the yep. same building, and they gutted the place, and it's gorgeous. Um, it's a, it's just going to be a really great little restaurant that is definitely Mexican influenced, um, but not being held to the structures rigorously. Uh, there's great tacos. There's botanas, which are just sort of like snacky little plates, mm-hmm. shareables. Um, they've got some bigger plates. Uh, it's pretty great. And there is a record bar in there, but it's a separate room and it's kind of being branded separately. So, okay. It's a cute little, and the record it bar. It's gorgeous yeah. on your Insta. Oh, it's the, the, they've have custom furniture. They've got the patio is covered. So it's going to be a all season patio, which I think is smart, um, you know, to kind of give that a little bit of more timeline, you know, to kind of stretch out the crowds. So I think it'll be great. Yeah. It's, a, it's a lot of fun. And I think YZ is going to love it. Um, and I don't think anyone's going to like, I don't think anyone's going to hurt from the business. You know, I think people are going to come out for it. So, like it might be a destination spot. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I do think so. So, um, but do because people ask all the time is like, can Wyzetta support X amount more restaurants? And of course, of course they can. They're fine. Um, and then, uh, so funny enough, I did that one on um, Thursday, 
Wednesday night, I went to this dinner that I felt like we should talk about, which was the dinner at the Mia, which is um, kind of so interesting. And I really enjoyed having something other than just sitting there and having plates put at your face. Um, it was a dinner that was structured around the two exhibits dressing, you know, the, the Japanese textiles exhibit and the Van Gogh um, Olive Grove exhibit. And what was really cool about the dinner at Mia, which is, is um, they're calling it a Kaiseki, you know, Van Gogh in Japan in 1880. And what's really cool is it happens in the museum after hours. Everything's closed. You guys are the only people there. You walk in, you get a drink, you then go through the exhibits and they're guiding you through the exhibits. They're basically the curators, mm-hmm. you know, are walking and talking and, and giving you information on these paintings and this art and, you know, the textiles and everything else that you, you can't, you can kind of glean the information from the, from the placards, for sure, but you're having someone talk to you about it and being able to ask the questions. A is, docent always makes the experience better. And the curators themselves. Yeah. Like, they have they have the gossip from the Brooklyn Museum. Then I mean, it was like, it was just wonderful to be able to have that insight. And then you go through these exhibits and you kind of learn a little bit about Van Gogh and about his, and how he was in Paris and he was very influenced by the Japanese woodblocking. And then you go and you sit down to this dinner that's made by Shige Furukawa, you know, who has Karonomise and Jamie Malone together. And it's kind of this idea of Paris and Tokyo coming together. And it is magically woven. And you get these little notes at the front of each course that talks about, you know, it's, they sort of invite you to explore what it looks like and what it feels like to be in a cafe in Paris or to be in a Kaiseki in Japan. And like, maybe what would have Van Gogh done if he would have like followed this path or, you know, all these different things. And it was just sort of, it was sort of thrilling to be put into that place with such amazing food. I love this idea because I've actually sat at the cafe where Van Gogh would sit great and paint. Yeah. And then I was on a, a curtain. I rented a boat and we were, going along the French um, river where he would see the sunflowers and he would see. So this idea of that all coming together, because it was a big artist community there and there were people doing all different forms of art. I can totally see this. Yeah. The impressionist sounds amazing. You know, and it was like they were painting outside and I found out, you know, they, they mentioned that the reason that, you know, what he was doing and painting outside was so interesting because of the fact that tubes of paint weren't available before, that people had to have studios to mix their paint. Yeah. But all of a sudden, the tubes of paper were being manufactured and artists were outside. So there's lots of... there's. A, we'll talk a little bit about a couple more restaurants after the break. So cool. Welcome back to The Weekly Dish. I'm Stephanie Hansen. Stephanie March Stephanie here. March. And we're going to do a little taste test. And why are we doing oh a taste test? Okay, Stephanie. I went to... I was working on a... A segment about chimichurri. Yeah. And I went to the Minneapolis Farmers Market and I met Bonnie Dane from Dane's Garden. Mm-hmm. And I picked up a bunch of oregano for the chimichurri and the parsley. Yeah. And she held up something to me and she said, Have you ever tried Cuban oregano? And I'm going to give you a leaf. You don't have to. I'm growing this. Okay. And we talked about this <laughs> earlier before. Do you remember? Well, sort of. <laughs> and this is why I brought it. I'll take your leaf. I'm so, growing this. Okay. I saw this and I was like, well, I have this. Okay. So early on in the growing season, Stephanie and I went together and we went to a pl- pick up some things. And 
what what is fun about Stephanie to me is she always buys the things I don't buy. Like she's way more riskier. She yeah. doesn't want to buy the average stuff. I'm like buying like the oregano, the parsley. Stephanie would buy anything that she didn't know what it was or what to do right, with it. Right, right. That so sounds fun. Bonnie was like, "Hey, you should try this Cuban oregano." And it's it's got a furry leaf and it's limey tasting if and you, it's succulent. It's actually on my Instagram. There's a picture of the young thing of it and it's juicy. Yeah. It's juicy. It's like got like, like, a like it's water. Thick. Yes. Yeah, like like a succulent, like a, yeah. like a, yes. Like yeah. a sedum would be maybe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So Yours I've been different than mine. Though, I will say that. Okay. I've been carrying this around. As she was like, I want you to try it. I haven't made anything with it yet because oh, I've been carrying it around, but I'm going to this week. So the idea being chimichurri is basically this condiment that you make with uh, vinegar, olive oil, oregano, and then parsley. And some people, oh yeah, yeah that is exactly right, Stephanie. That's yeah. so funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mine is a variated version. Yours is a variated, mine's not, but I will, yeah, go ahead. I'm going to tell you what I made with it, but I want okay. you to go ahead. So I... I made chimichurri and I made it for a TV segment. And when you do TV, sometimes you make the thing and then they sometimes have you make it again so that you can show your hands making it. So I have to be prepared usually to do it twice. So I ended up with two cups of chimichurri and then I was heading out of town. Right. So I bring my chimichurri with me and you know, you, what you usually do with it is you eat it on grilled meats. That's how they eat it in Argentina. And I was like, great. So we had it on grilled meat and then I still had, you know, a cup and three quarters cup left. So then I had it as salad dressing. I added more olive oil, more lemon juice, a little more vinegar and made it into a a salad dressing. That was great. Then still had a lot left. The next day I was like, okay, I'm going to put some of this in a noodle salad. So I made a really herby noodle salad Mm -hmm. with some vegetables and used that as like, again, the vinaigrette. Yep. And then I made it almost like a tabbouleh. I added a ton of cucumber, tomatoes, way more parsley. And again, just using it as a vinaigrette. Okay, now I'm down to like a cup left. Yeah. Like, okay. Then I put some in potato salad for 4th of July. And we did that. Then I made a couple more salads. Then I made deviled eggs. And I used it as the filling for the deviled eggs. And we finally got to where I had like a quarter cup of this stuff left. Wow. And I'd made it in basically every single thing I cooked. Yeah. I found a way to put it in there. My mother-in-law was like, have I used up all the chimichurri? I was oh, like, right. no, we're close. Yeah. So my final thing I made, I loved it so much and it reminded me of you. I just boiled up some new potatoes. I cooked up some lardon, just little bacon mm-hmm, pieces. Mm-hmm. And I took the hot potatoes and these pieces of crispy bacon with a little bit of the bacon fat. And I tossed it with the remaining chimichurri yep. and that like vinegar got into the hot potatoes. Yep. It was herby. It was nice. a little bacony. Well done. And we had it with some sausages and yeah. I presented the dish at the table and I was like, and now we are done with the chimichurri. Right. So I did put the recipe and 10 things you can do with it. And I think I did 52 things with it. Wow. Um, but suffice it to say, I'm going to now have to figure out what to do with the or a Cuban oregano. Cuban oregano. Yeah, I just basically, I, I use mine as the pork shoulder marinade. Oh, So I yum. chopped it up. I like just, a mojo. Yeah, I chopped, chopped, chopped it. And then I added a little olive oil and like I did like a squeeze of lime in there. And then I put that into like, you know, the salt. And then I kind of made a salt paste out of it. But the, but the Cuban yum. oregano gave a nice... 
kind of freshness to it. And I threw that and I pasted my, you know, I covered my pork in it. And I, I let that sit in the fridge overnight and then I roast it for the day. Okay, so that, that was sounds a, delicious. That was a good way of using it. I also cut it up just basically, I just chopped it into um, into a fresh pasta. Um, and then I also, this was a, this was an interesting one. I did, I was making open face sort of like what I do is I take like a a good piece of sourdough and I grill it. And then I, uh, wanted to put sort of a pesto, but I didn't have a pesto. So what I did is I took the Cuban oregano, chopped it, just mixed it with olive oil and a little bit of parm cheese and you make your own kind of a fake pesto. Yeah. And then I just spread that onto the bread and then I go with uh, prosciutto and fresh mozz on top. Yum. That That sounds delicious. So I love that stuff. I'm kind of in the weird space where the herbs are starting to come in the garden, but the vegetables aren't really ready yet. So yeah. we're eating lots of lettuce and herbs. Sure. And waiting for the peas and the beans and the yeah. stuff. My arugula went, got burned out. I just didn't, I didn't pay attention to it. And it sat in the super hot sun, like for one day without getting watered. And it got, it oh, it toasted itself. Yeah. So I just, I'm out of arugula and that's fine. It was probably too small of a pot anyway. But um, all my tomatoes are going crazy, and my cucumbers are climbing like nuts. The the lemon cucumbers are super climbing, and I kind of use now it as, a lemon cucumber. Did you buy that with me? And are they full cucumbers or small? No, they. I got it from the or Kelly O'Reilly Farm. Um, the cucumbers, and they basically um, they climb and they come, and they're going to start to come pretty soon, I assume. And they'll they're like they look like little melons. They're not cucumelons, but they do get sort of round and ob like they're almost like teardrop but they're kind of like you know like a little they look like an avocado in my mind and what do they taste like just they're a just, lemon but cucumber? here's the thing is the skin is so is a lot it's prickly but so you kind of rub it a little bit and just kind of get the spiny soft and then you just take a bite because it's like it's a very thin skin so okay. it's able to just you can eat it straight off the vine yum and without having to peel it i mean i eat cucumber skin too so yeah not a big deal but it's much much thinner so it's kind of makes it just a little bit and it's a lighter it's a light yellow and it's a lighter, it's a lighter vegetable. Fun. Yeah. So I'm waiting for those to come. I'll send you pictures when those happen, but everything else is like, yeah, I have two onions that I'm growing too, randomly. I think that's, didn't I buy those onions? Maybe when you we might went have. to the plant friends. Yeah. yeah. So I have two onions that are waiting to pop up and that's what I got. Okay. Everybody uh, seems to be strong though. They love the heat and the humidity. We see, that's my problem. Ely has been so cold. Yeah. It's even all of 4th of July. I've only swam once. Right. The water was 66. Ooh. So the air is about 70 and hovering. I think we're finally starting to get some warmer temperatures coming, but yeah. all the stuff is just kind of looking at me like, hey. is it time yet? Is yeah. it time? Like I'm here. I'm okay. But like, I'd like some hot weather, please. Yeah. No, huh? So, yeah. No, not a ton. Not a ton. But I will say it's been a great season. All of the flying gnats and all the terrible things that we've had to deal with, mosquitoes and gnats and flies, have pollinated the heck out of the blueberries. Oh, great. So, it should be a great blueberry season if we continue to get some, a little bit of moisture. If it starts to dry all the buds will dry. Does anybody grow blueberries down here? Or does, is it you harder? You can. You can. It's it you can they grow wild up there. I know it's just that's I always think about blueberries as being a very northern it is. crop. It is. And uh did you read it there was an article recently I think it was in the Star Tribune about the guy that has the whole urban forested yard where he yeah. has like blueberries and elderflower berries and uh, walnuts and hazelnuts and everything in his yard is to be foraged. Oh. And they had like, he had like 15 plants in his yard that were all forageable. And he was saying you can eat the daylilies. 
Okay, the entire part of a daylily is edible. Did you know that? No. Me neither. Wow. So I haven't tried it. Okay. But I thought that was pretty interesting because remember we found out that hostas are edible. That when they start growing the little leaves. Yes, we are, love that. Which I can't ever cut a hosta leaf because I'd be too no, freaked out that wait, it wouldn't No, because you're just you're like, I really want this to just be a plant, <laughs> yes. please. So I'm not going to eat it. Yes. But apparently daylilies can be eaten. I have nasturtiums starting to come, so I'm looking forward to putting those in some salads. Also, incidentally, if you have nasturtiums, you can make nasturtium vinegar. Yeah. So you just put the flowers in the vinegar, kind of like you would a chive blossom. You know, I've got that. I made chive vinegar that I'm I still using. I love the chive blossoms. Yeah. I love eating those. And it becomes like this sort of yellowy, orangey vinaigrette that is full of this sort of peppery flavor of the nasturtium. Yeah. So that's kind of fun. Okay. Whenever I make a weird vinegar, Kurt's afraid to eat it. <laughs> It's Vinegars like, don't seem so safe because, like, like, you know, yeah, you can nothing can this. really grow horribly in there. It's, you know. Yeah. He's it's like, already, like, got such a high pH that, you know, nothing's going to, no bacteria kind of a thing, you know. Yeah, I know. I don't know why. He's like, can I eat this? It looks like it's not something I'd be able to eat. I'm like, of course you can eat it. As far okay. as I know, honey. Yes. <laughs> So, all right, Stephanie, you went to a few other places that we want to get to. Oh, well, we've got four, 30 seconds. So Okay, I'll, we'll come back. We'll come and back and talk about it. I just, we can wrap up with a couple more. Just know that someone did send a message asking about the Justin Sutherland GoFundMe page that they had tried to donate and it wasn't working. And all I know is that it looks like it's working now. So if you were trying to donate and it, you weren't able to, maybe try it again. Otherwise, refresh. Always good to refresh your browser if that's the case. Maybe okay. something happened. We could put it on the show page too so yeah. it's easy to find there you go we'll all right we'll back. be right back oh that's the weekend that's a new song from him i always like him yeah he's pretty fun he's pretty fun all right stephanie before the break we were talking about some of the places that you've been in the last couple of weeks um have you been to is it the new steaks house that's the justin sutherland helmed madison restaurant is it noise and cutler yeah noise and cutler I did. I popped in and I, I I went for a preview, so I really didn't I didn't really eat anything, so I can't speak to the food. But I know that they're an elevated steak place. You know, trying to be a modern making a comeback, aren't they? They've never gone away. I know, Let's just I like be clear. Them too. Nobody. There's never not been a time that steakhouses have not flourished in the Twin Cities. People yeah. in the Midwest, you know, and in the North, uh, love them, and that's fine. I think they're fun. I'm I'm a Manny's girl. You know, I kind of love that place the most. That's going to yep. always be my place, and. You know, I don't I don't find it to be a penalty to show up at any point in time for that. <laughs> uh, I would say that there's um, definitely something fun about Noise and Cutler and the fact that it's on Mears Park. And that area is just bustling in the summertime and lots of patio game. And so lots of good I went stuff. and saw the new standards a couple weeks back there. It was yeah. really fun. Um, I think uh, there's a couple. There's the other one that I wanted to talk about was so... Danny Del Prado, as much as he just opened Maconda and Wyzetta, we were talking about this. He also opened, he took over the, the. he's taking over the hospitality at the Rand Tower Hotel. Where even is that? So it's downtown Minneapolis. It's on 6th and like 3rd, I think. But um, it's right across, it's Kitty Corner from the Northwest uh, Bank, you know, which whatever uh, towers, the Wells Fargo Tower. Not yep. the new one, but the old one. Um, and Gavaday, you know, God, these are yes, all the old ways I know. of saying Sorry, stuff. I know now where you are, though. <laughs> but nonetheless, it's um, and it's it's on sixth as you're heading toward the stadium. That's really the most important part. Yep. So the the, the hotel 
went underwent re- re- renovations and everything else and to become this very cool Art Deco thing. Unfortunately, they launched during the pandemic and it kind of didn't get a lot of play. They had uh, a couple different bars. They had like a whiskey and soda bar and they had something else. It was a little broy. I'm going to be totally honest with you. Like we just kind of I kind of was like giving it some sh- some attention and some trying to be like, yeah, this is great. And it just they just didn't really have it. And so what's funny is that they brought in Danny Del Prado to sort of reconcept it. So the downstairs uh, bar lobby bar is now called Bar Rufus. And uh, Megan Lutke, who is one of our really premier cocktail women in town, is uh, making, she has her whole menu. She's got a great martini service. Oh, my goodness. That's because you've been on the quest for the perfect I'm martini all summer. The, yeah, I have been. Well, I think I was on it like all winter, too. <laughs> but it was, um, and it's just a really beautiful, like, the tones are beautiful. It's got a really great sort of a brass accent, you know, a vibe going on. But yet Art Deco, it's a lot of fun. They're going to open two more uh, areas in the hot road, in that tower over the summer. One is going to be called Mew Mew. And it's going to be sort of a lady bar. Huh. I know. I'm excited. It sounds cute. It's super cute. Um, And then, so that one is open. And then there's, what was the other thing that was just open that I was going to talk about? Uh, Let's see. Well, Little Tijuana's. Have we talked about Little Tijuana's? Okay. Uh -uh. So Little T's, I think we did on the show, maybe, that it was open and that we went. um, And I brought Bradley Trainer and um, maybe Elizabeth was here when we talked. Anyway, um... And Jamie, you know, his partner, and we just, it's a great time. And it's its really getting a lot of good buzz for having gluten-free snacks on the menu and d- staying that dive bar sort of feel. Does it feel, feel dive bar It still feels dive bar It's just that it's a different dive bar. But it still has the same name. It's a little cleaner, but it didn't get, like, fancy. It did yeah. not get fancy. And so the food is a little bit more thoughtful, which I think is great. You're still going to be able to get a burger. You get like a steam burger and you get like a, you know, you can get a basket of fries, but you can also get some great cauliflower that has some like taco yaki influences. And so it's not trying to be like old school gringo Mexican. Uh, Not at all. Okay. Not at all. Because that's kind of what I thought when I was like, oh, a little tease used to be fun to go there. I wonder if they're still making the, you know, ground beef tacos. Yeah. No, no, no. They're not. Okay. So it's pretty good. So that's yeah. So that's what, you know. There's just a lot of interesting things popping up around town. You know, Earl Giles is the other one we want to talk about. That oh, was it. yeah. So Earl Giles is the distillery that Jesse Held, Jeff Urkula, and Nick Kosovich have been working on for a while. And they finally launched it, you know, per se. It's in soft open. So it's only open on weekends. They're still getting their feet underneath them. It's literally, if you want to go now, it would be just to see to see the space and to kind of experience what it might be. I would not judge them on anything. Uh, too harshly because they're still not even making their own, you know, booze. They have booze on site, but they haven't fully gone into production and everything else. So it's there's there and they they still don't have all the things set. They're just in in go mode, I would say. So will that be a place where you can go like a real distillery? Yeah, you'll be able to get in a the tour. Future, you can and you can sit down and get a seven hundred fifty milliliter. Yeah, okay. yeah, and they'll sell on site, and they are, um, but they're also. They have a pizza restaurant. So they've got, you know, a wood-fired pizza oven that's going, or at least a deck pizza oven. I'm not sure. And then they have, um, and they've got some salads and some snacks. And so they're working on being a place where you can go and actually have a have a drink and then, you know, have your food, not from a food truck. Right. So, um, and what I do like about them is they're going to be a distillery, but they are pouring from their taps. 
They're doing, you can do call cocktails and they have a whole list of specialty ones, but there are ones that you can get on tap, which they've pre-batched and those are spirit free. So what it is, is like if you're non-alcoholic and you want to go and have a drink, you can order the cocktail without the stuff in it. It's not a big hassle because it already comes batched that way. And also, if you're a person who likes a little customization, because they had recommended, you know, tequila with a certain mix. And I was like, actually, I want gin with that. And it was a lovely thing like that. I got to call my spirit into to put into the spirit free beverage was kind of fun. It is. That is a fun way to do it. And it also gives you more mocktail access. Yeah, I think. And I love that they're I think that they're calling they're they're calling the mix spirit free. They don't want to go into into mocktail because they think that's a sort of like cocktail is a very specific thing. And they're like, this is just, you know, putting it on the same level as everybody else is in your drinks. Yeah. And I think that that's kind of interesting. I, I like I it too. Them for that. Yeah, absolutely. So. Um, and it's been a while. And if you're like, if you're someone who loves, uh, uh, vodka mule. Yeah. Moscow mule, yeah. I guess it's called. Yeah. I was, I was like, like I know that doesn't know. sound right. You wait and I a both stopped for a minute. And I was like, wait a minute. They have Earl Giles has a ginger beer oh, that so is really delicious in a Moscow Mule, and we're seeking out. You can find it at liquor stores too. Yeah, it's um, it's gingery, it's peppery, it's really one of my favorites. If I'm going to have that drink, yeah, no, I think it's wonderful. It's a really great. It's probably one of the best ginger beers. I know people love Goslings, and they like, but that ginger beer. In fact, most of them, if you're ordering something. You know, in a bar, it's most likely going to be an Earl Giles ginger beer that you're getting. And so delicious. Yeah. All right. So is there anything you're making or eating this week or are you on the day of rest of just? No, it's restaurant week. So like I said, we're probably going to go for <laughs> restaurant week. Um, and then there are a couple other things, you know, that are kind of sprouting that I'm thinking about. But um, I have to look at my calendar. I feel like everything is so busy. I feel like I don't have the time to sort of like you know, hang like everybody else right now. I know. And I've been invited to some things. I was like, well, no, I'm it's oh. cabin season. I'm growing things. Yeah. Actually, you guys join me tomorrow. If you want, I'll be at Palmer's. Uh, we're doing a vegan meat raffle, which is sort of fun. I just am excited to see what the Irby Butcher kids bring. They'll be grilling up their uh, vegan brats. That patio is really a nice patio, patio to hang out on, too. Yeah. So I'm going to we're going to do some vegan meat raffling and see how that goes. Um and that's going to be great. I also have a year. I have a V-Night dinner at the end of the week. You know, he's doing his yep. V-Night at uh, Steady Pour, which is a great sp- space. And Jeff uh, Side and Circular is great with his cocktail. So that'll be fun just to see. And I've had V-Night dinners before, but it's kind of nice to see where he is now. And Are you because- hosting one? No. Oh, so no. you're just going. I'm just going. I'm just so going to a eat. So a night dinner is this idea where he puts the banana. Nope. 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 This is just he's 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 like like a legitimate. He's not running legitimate. his restaurant. That's not the right word. He can't. They're still waiting on a lot of things for his restaurant. And his whole thing was like, I'm kind of sick of waiting. Let's just have the restaurant wherever it is. Which so it makes total sense. Yeah. So he's doing it as a pop up again right now at Steady Pour until he can get his other stuff open. Yeah, because they do those Kamayan feasts, too, for catering, which I'd highly recommend. They're yes. super fun. Totally. All right. Well, that was a great show. We covered lots of topics. Thanks for listening. You can always catch us on the podcast. If you missed anything or find us on the socials, we're happy to answer. And next week, come out to Bloomington. Come to Mallard's. Come to Mallard's next week. We'll see you then.